Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Okay, man, I am so glad to be here. Uh, I just feel like this is an appointment day right now, appointment time for us. I am preaching joy to the world. Now, it may not seem like the most incredible joy to the world time because there's a lot of trials going on, right? Testings, hard things, but that's when joy becomes all the more real. It really is. It's like you, you almost have to know what sorrow is to fully comprehend what joy is. It's, they're not, it's not you just do one and you skip through the fields like Laura Ingalls Wilder, you know, and that's all life is. Um, it's an old TV show for you young guys sitting here not knowing what that's about. Maybe, maybe yeah, we do. Okay, awesome. Well, hey, check this out. This is the third Sunday of Advent, and I want to read as we get started here. This, is, this hymn was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts. And it's uh, Joy to the World. It's adapted from, from Psalm 98. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. That means we want our hearts to get bigger so we can more fully let Jesus in and reign and have his way in our hearts. Let heaven and nature sing. The, the creation is doing that. Just open our eyes up, Lord. Joy to the earth. The Savior reigns. This is the joy news. The Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Like come up with all kinds of creative ways of saying it, writing it down, singing it, saying it back to the Lord. You reign. You're the king. While fields and floods and rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy again and again and again and again. Let uh, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make the blessings flow far as the curse is found. It's not just us. It's the entire cosmos, the entire creation that God is renewing and making right. It's really, really joy to the world, joy to the world itself, literally. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I mean, that'll preach right there. It's a great song. You know, we're still singing. That is the most published Christian hymn in history. So that's post-canonical. Yeah, I guess you would, any songs in the Bible that would outdo that. But besides the Bible, joy to the world. That's a good word, right? The joy is what the world needs right now, you guys. And it's what Jesus brings to us. He brings to us joy. And I want us to see maybe some expanded ways of seeing that this morning. He brings us joy. God with us means joy to the world. And that's what we're talking about during this Advent season. I've been thinking a lot about joy this week and the different ways that we experience joy. It's not just, you know, I'm smiling and I I know that I've got joy right now. There's other ways. We need an expanded vocabulary. Joy is the aroma of heaven. That's what heaven smells like. Joy, as C.S. Lewis said, is the serious business of heaven. 
That's what joy is. Now, check this out. You may not know this, but one of the primary criteria for the Roman Catholic Church, what they use for canonization for sainthood is, did this person produce joy in other people? Isn't that a great? I'd like... Wow, I like that. You know, St. Francis walking around and, and people are just like, whoa, joy. They're experiencing joy by being around Francis or Mother Teresa. Does she bring joy in the room? Yeah, man, absolutely. Great. My, uh, I've been reconnecting some with my spiritual dad from many years ago, Don Finto. I've been texting a bunch the last few weeks and, and I've been watching some of his videos on the Caleb project. You can see some of it, thankfulness, thanksgiving and standing on the word and just, it's just good. Good stuff, but it's also got me thinking about how he introduced me to joy. He's the most joyful, Jesus-looking person I've ever met. He's, he'll be 91 in April, and he just has that kind of glory zone, you know, and I guess that's why in the old paintings they did, they did like, you know, glory, because he looks like he's been glamour shotted all the time. Just, you know, and so the first time I go up there to spend time with him in Nashville, it's probably 91 or something. We'd met him. It's dramatic. All these stories are just great stories. How I actually, okay, so just, we're not tight on time today. <laughs> Mike is shaking his head. No. So, so, uh, so, uh, so the first time I, I meet him, Kim had been, we got into Michael W. Smith and, um, we listened to a lot of Michael W. Smith back in the early 90s, and we, Kim started getting the bulletin from Belmont Church where he went, went to church. It used to be a Church of Christ. Amy Grant's dad was an, an elder there, and she was the first one to bring, bring in the instrument into that Church of Christ, right? <laughs> Glory to God. And so Kim got, Kim got into Michael W. We started getting his bulletin. We found out Don was going to be speaking out at the Abilene Christian Lectures, this conference out in Abilene uh, in the Church of Christ. And that's where we were at at the time. And and uh, so we went out there for this con- little conference thing, and they had a breakfast, a hundred people in a room, Don preaches, and I'm just blown away. And we, I walk through, at the end of it, I walk through the crowded room toward him. He walks through the crowded room toward me, gives me a hug, and kisses me on both cheeks. And that's how I met Don Finto. <laughs> True story. So he'd invited me up to spend a week with him, just to be a Timothy, and uh we were, oh, lots of firsts that week. The first time I'd ever done a 5 a.m. prayer meeting. 5 a.m. like, you know, like six, seven. We do ours, a lot of ours at seven. <laughs> 5 a.m. for real. You know, you're eating coffee and donuts later at, no, he didn't eat donuts. He's too healthy for that. But, but much later, it's like 6.30 after you've already been praying for a while. But, uh, so, but one of the things we would do is uh, ride around in the car. And we would ride around the car. He wanted me to sing with him. Now, he's 33 years older than I am, so at the time I was probably 28, and whatever that, did the math, and we're riding around, and we're singing uh, Ron Cannoli, that was a big thing, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, Jamie, sing. I'm like, it's freaking me out, like two guys driving down the road singing, but I got joy in the process. He contagiously gave me joy in worship, and it's a part of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not, it's not what you put on people about the doctrine of eating or cleansing. It's, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Okay, so we, we need some expanded perspective about joy. Um, joy doesn't mean that things always go the way we want. That's right. 
It's just, that's, that's, not, that's not joy. Joy doesn't mean that we're always happy in our circumstances and smiling. Okay, so there's a deeper joy than that. And it doesn't mean, joy doesn't mean that we avoid the hard things in life or the suffering parts of life or the testing parts of life. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that. Um, in fact, the testing hard things, the sufferings are often where we grow the most. We're promised sufferings. We're promised persecutions. We're promised testings over and over and over again through scripture and, and following Jesus in the way of the cross. It's, it does, it's not a, it's not a big, you know, thing you have to connect there to understand this is part of the process. You don't ever tell someone when they're going through it. You don't lay it on them then, but it is good to do training about it so that we are not caught off guard by that. Okay, you're, you guys aren't going to believe this. There's a Gallup survey that just came out this past week, like literally just came out this past week, and they've been monitoring this time of year, every year since 2001, Gallup survey, mental health of Americans. And it's been pretty steady for all the 19 years except for this year. Can you imagine that? So 19 years, steady mental health in the United States. But this year, it's like a 10-point drop across the board. And it doesn't matter who you are. There's one group that grew. And I'm going to give you the punchline in just a second. But, but all the groups down, male, female, 8 to 10-point drop. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat, or an independent, mental health's dropping. What else? Um, race, doesn't matter if you're white or non-white, your mental health on the tank. Age group, doesn't matter how old you are. Young to old, mental health dropping. Doesn't matter if you're married or not married, mental health dropping. And it doesn't matter what you make. Your, how much money you make in your household, mental the, the the mental health is dropping. There's one group, it's religious service attendance weekly that had the only increase, and it was a four-point increase. And it's not if you come uh, uh, occasionally or monthly or sometimes. It's weekly. Isn't that amazing? And so I don't know what all we do with that, but we're going to do something with that. I mean, I just thought, man, that is good news. It's good news. Kim and I were, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were uh, watching online. It's one of the only times we've not been here uh, weekly, and um, we were watching online, and we're worshiping. Aaron was killing it. He was doing a great job, but we stopped in the middle and said, this is not the same as being here. I'm just going just gonna to say to everybody out there that hadn't been back, it's not the same as being right here. With love, <laughs> it's, it's just not the same. Worshiping, just being with brothers and sisters, it's, it's, it's good. We all need it. So uh, amen. There's different ways that we talk about the gospel. And we're gonna, we've already read the passage. Uh, the Nichols read it, a little bit of it a, m- a moment ago. And it's this phrase I've been thinking about, the don't be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This, uh, there's different ways we talk about the good news, the gospel, the gospel of forgiveness, the gospel of healing, the gospel of deliverance and freedom. These are all parts of the good news, right? They're, 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 they're all apples that are in the bushel of the gospel of the kingdom. That's the way I like to say it. The gospel of the kingdom, God reigns. Get your life in order with God's reign, his good, righteous 
right reign. But what I what was fresh to me this week was the gospel of great joy. Is that the angels announcing the gospel that the gospel is the gospel of great joy? That would be one of those apples in that big bushel of the kingdom, right? The gospel of great joy. You angelizo my kara megalane. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like tongues, didn't it? It's actually Greek. It's Greek. Euangelizomai is a verb form of euangelion. And so it's the good news, the gospel of great megalane. That sound like mega. And kara is joy. And so joy's in this, in this, uh, this word grouping of the dance of the graces. So kara is joy. Charis is grace. Charisma is giving, uh, gifts. And Eucharista is thanksgiving, back to God. So isn't that just awesome that joy just jumps down in the middle of all of that cycle of praise and grace? And it really does. I mean, Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2 says, out of their overflowing joy, they gave. You know, it's just all wrapped up together. I know we've been talking about that a lot lately, but it's just, it's the gospel of great joy. And if you look hard enough for it, you're going to find it. Just ask and seek and knock and you will find this. Here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. Advent is an invitation to look for the joy that Jesus brings into the world. We're going to be looking for the joy that Jesus brings. There's a difference between being passive about this and actively looking for it. It's just right on. And so as we read this little passage here, look for joy. And I'm going to expand it. We're going to, it's not an in-depth exegesis today, but I, I want to look at this. And so look at the, look at the shepherds, look at the angels, look at Mary. And then we're going to look at Jesus. And I, what I want us to see is there's way more joy going on in the New Testament and in the early church than what we just normally think about. Joy's way more there than what we normally think about. You know, just, I, I want us to just expand that and then apply it to our own lives. That's where we're going with this. So let's read the word together. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Father, let's just stand up if you're here or even in your living rooms to honor the reading of God's word. Yeah, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of, of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby for the birth of her firstborn, uh, firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured these things in her heart and pondered, excuse me, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And this is the word of God. And we say, thanks be to God. Have a seat. Amen. So in the birth, let's just, just quickly, just look at the shepherds Okay, how are they experiencing joy? What's their perspective on joy? They're out, these, and they're pretty much you know, like no-name guys, right? Sleeping in a field, whatever, you know, whenever that was. I mean, I wouldn't think it would be warm. You know, it gets cold at night, but that's, that's these guys. No name, probably not educated, all that kind of stuff. And yet God comes to them, the angel and the angels, and gives them this dramatic word that... The Savior is born, Lord of the world, good news of great joy for all the people. And so the shepherds, they respond to this. They respond, they say, let's go see this. And they go and they join in with whoever else is there. They're at least seeing things exactly as they were told. There's some kind of star scenario going on over overhead that's quite a sign in the sky. You've got magi there as well. I, I, I can only imagine how Joseph is processing this, Mary's processing this. But the shepherds then tell what happened with them. Another, not just the magi coming, but also the, the shepherds themselves being led there by by the Lord, and they proclaim in their joy what God had spoken to them about this baby. That's pretty cool. And so then after all this happens, then they they return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd seen and heard, which were just as they'd been told. So one thing I want, want us to see here about the shepherds is that there are other expressions of joy besides saying, and they rejoiced, or they had joy, they glorifying God is going to be an expression of joy. Praising God is an expression of joy. Uh, having an encounter with God is, is an expression of joy. Receiving the good news, it's supposed to be good news of great joy. Kara Megalane. You know, so, so all of that. Then you've got the angels, which is kind of, there, there's some, there's some mystery here. I, I can't, put my hand on all of it, but I'm just thinking about the angels are there to announce to shepherds in the field, like these beings that are in the presence of God, go talk to these shepherd guys. Uh, I mean, does it say they're shepherd guys? Let's expand that. I I don't know that it's... Could have been some some shepherdesses too, totally. Um, (laughs) Moving on, <laughs> no statement being made there. So, so, but, but, but they go from the presence of God to this field, and you know they don't know everything that's going on. Just remember that. Remember First Peter chapter one verses 
10, 11, 12, 13, along in there, it says, the, the prophets spoke by the Spirit of Christ in them, and even the angels longed to look into these things. It's not like they already know everything that's going down. They long to look into this, and here they are, the King of glory, the Son of the living God, the Most High, is now taking on the form of a baby, and they're saying, glory to God in the highest. God has come and made his home on earth as a baby. <sighs> yeah, I mean, that, is, that just blows me away, and they're, they're filled with joy. They are absolutely filled with joy, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and peace to those on whom his favor rests. I mean, that's, that's, so, so the angels seeing the birth of Jesus and Mary, you know, Mary seeing the birth of Jesus, it's incredible. I mean, she's already had Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're going to give birth to a son He's going to be in the line of David, and he's going to be king, and his kingdom will never, ever end. Sorry, young girl's mind, completely blown. So she knows that. She knows that about, about her son already, but then she's seeing these the magi coming, the shepherds coming, all of these things happening, the star the, the angels proclaiming the glory of God at the, at the testimony of the, the shepherds. And she treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And here's where I want us to go with joy again, is joy, that, I mean, when we treasure something, we're finding joy in it. When we ponder something and think about it deeply, God wants us to engage our minds on the great things of God. To, to, to think about those things and be able to talk about those things and talk about them with, with joy. So, I mean, you could keep going even in the birth story, Simeon and Anna, but, but I want us to move on from the birth story to the ministry of Jesus. Because if you think there's so many things going on that are bringing joy that we don't normally think about as bringing joy. So Jesus starts his ministry and he reads in the synagogue in his hometown, Nazareth, but he's quoting Isaiah 61. Think about how many things in his mission statement, the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing, how many of these things would bring joy to people? Let's just read it. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Isaiah 61.1. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. There's joy there. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Uh, that's joy. Recovery of sight for the blind, joyful, good thing, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That passage goes on and talks about beauty for ashes, you know, joy instead of mourning, trees planted like righteous, you know, righteous oaks in the ground that can't be moved by the storms of life, joy like a bridegroom receiving his bride, like a bride, bride dancing for joy on her wedding day. I mean, that's where that passage goes. And then all these things he's doing, just, you can just turn the page. He's, he's casting out an evil spirit. Joy. I, for the person who got the demon cast out of him, that's some joy. You know, he's healing many. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. That's why I came. He's calling disciples. He's partying with tax collectors. Just joy kind of stuff. Um, he, he does confront religious guys a lot. They don't seem to be, doesn't seem to be as much joy on them. 
frumpy religion. You know, and so he even promises that there's rejoicing when you are reviled. And there's a reward for you. And you're to rejoice when hard things happen because of the name, because of following Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, it just goes on and on. The, the disciples, they come back with joy after being sent out by Jesus and experiencing the reign of God in their words and in healing people and casting out demons. And then Jesus is filled with joy because of that. Praise be to your name, Father, as you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. You know, so there's just joy in all of that. And just because the word joy isn't mentioned specifically, what I'm just trying to say is, don't think that joy is not there. We need an expanded vocabulary of the gospel of great joy. That's, that's the point there. There's, there's joy. We can rejoice in trials. Jesus rejoiced even as he looked through the cross to what was going to happen on the other side of that trial, that great trial. And one of the things I think we're going to be looking at next year some is um, the, the importance of when we receive the word with the, the four soils, I just think that's probably going to be something we need to be looking at because you receive the word with joy, but then a time of testing comes and it's choked out and they fall away. We don't want to be people that are doing that. Then we're in a time of testing. We're in a time of shaking. Can I get a witness? <laughs> yes, it's, it's a hard time. And we, we know that, but so we want to be faithful to the Lord. We want Him renewing our heart, giving us that new heart, guarding our hearts. The early church, let's expand it to the early church. Peter preaches the very first sermon, and what's the promise? The promise of the very first sermon, well, a bunch of different things, but one of the early promises is joy. You know, you killed Jesus, but God raised Him from the dead, and then he starts quoting Psalm 16, and he says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. So th this is what the gospel does, is it brings us into relationship with God, into relationship with Jesus. And then he calls them to turn and order life to Jesus, who is the Lord. He is the crucified one who is raised from the dead and is now both Lord and Christ. And so 3,000 people respond to this message, and they are baptized. Have you ever been to a bummer baptism? I, I mean, one or two people get baptized around here. We're cheering and standing up and clapping. I mean, what if we had 3,000 in a row? I'm, just, I'm worn out. Faster. Yeah, come on. Woo! Yes, that's a lot of joy. I mean, then, then there's, they're filled with awe. They're meeting together every day. They're filled with awe. Is that, isn't that like joy when you hear the testimony of God? And then they walk through the gate beautiful and they heal a guy who's been crippled from birth and he's, he's walking and leaping and praising God. That is joy, right? That's gotta be joy. That's not a bummer walking and leaping, praising God. It's happy walking. And leaping and praising God. That's, that's, that, that, just on and on. Acts chapter eight, the gospel goes to Samaria and there's all kind of healings and the city was filled with great joy. Acts chapter eight, verse eight. The famous one of the, of a, I gotta practice walking and leaping and praising God <laughs> so that I can keep preaching. Ah. But, uh, 
uh, in Acts chapter 16, Paul, Paul and Barnabas praising God in a jail cell in the middle of the night. That's joy. That's a deep joy in the Lord. And then the, the, the jailer, you know, the earthquake, the jailer's going to kill himself. They lead him to Jesus. And it says the jailer then feeds them. His whole family comes together. They feed him. And because they are filled with great joy at coming to know God. And that's, that's what coming to know the Lord does. I, you know, you could keep going through the letters. I mean, one of the places that stood out to me was Paul in, in Philippians chapter 1 says, I'm sitting here in a jail cell, and I don't care what somebody's motive is. If they're preaching Christ, the main thing is Christ is preached, and because of that, I rejoice. Now, just think sometimes in our modern context how very different that is. People aren't rejoicing that Christ is preached. They get frustrated and upset if you don't preach it exactly like they do and say the exact same words that they do. And Paul is sitting from a prison cell going, I don't care. The main thing is that Jesus Christ is preached. Jesus is the Lord. <laughs> and I'm rejoicing because of that. You know, joy to the world that Jesus Christ is born and is our Lord. A, ah, it's just so good. So well, how do we apply that then to our lives? How do we make this practical? How, how do we look for joy. And I think that looking for joy is the key. That we're looking for joy. We're not passive about it. It's not just something that happens to me and I'm just, I get caught up and I, oh, that was okay. That's the only way I can experience joy. Sometimes we're just blown away. But sometimes what we need to do is be looking. Be looking for the joy that Jesus brings. How do we do that? How do we respond to that invitation to look for joy? Um, you know, whether it's uh, worship. I'm just give some practicals. Worship. Worship is critical for our discipleship. It's just absolutely, it's how, it's how we move forward. Well, I can't move forward not worshiping. I, I can't just be a, a head that's thinking intellectual thoughts. All, I've got to worship God and encounter Him. That's critical. Uh, praising Him, uh, being in His presence, just getting with a brother and going to the prayer room and getting in the presence of God together, turning from sin. I mean, there's more joy not in sin. You know, so if, if you know it, if you know it, confess it. That's just First John 1, 9. Just, okay, Lord, that's sin. That, that's what confession is, is agreeing with the Lord. And then turn from that. Don't just do it again, but, but turn from that. Turn from sin. Look for joy. Um, you know, instead of just looking at our circumstances all the time, be proactive to look for joy. Kim and I, on Friday, there's a couple times now we've gone out to the Botanic Gardens. The Japanese garden is now open. We would go for years, but you had to pay to get in. We were too cheap to, to pay to get in. And so now it's open. And she's got this Arboretum card from over in Dallas. And so we've been just going. And it's beautiful, y'all. I mean, it's just... It makes you want to just praise God. You look around at nature and you praise God. There's these, it was, we went three weeks ago and it was all kind of yellow and green. And this week it's the Japanese maples and it's just red. And you get close to them and they, each one of their leaf has a little outline of brown around the red. It's like a work of art. And it makes you want to go praise God. And you experience some of God's 
peace. And one of the things we look forward to on Saturdays is Emily's been bringing the twins by, little joy bombs. And I, we were sitting down, we were talking about this yesterday, how they're little joy bombs. And about that time, there was a knock at the door, and Kim goes and opens the door. I was still in my study, but I was 20 feet away, and I could hear, and they, they were crawling up the steps because they can't walk up those giant, it'd be like having a step that was like this high, you know, so they crawl up the step, and they get in, <laughs> exactly, and, and then they come running to you and run around and, you know, all that stuff, little joy bombs, and so we're looking for joy so that we talk about it, right? So uh, I heard this message a couple weeks ago from Tim Mackey on evangelism, and uh, he's the Bi- he helped to start the Bible Project, and he was talking about evangelism, and he said, you know, it's like this. If you, I, I want you to come to Portland. He's from Portland. He said, I want you to come to my city. And if you come to my city, then I want you to go to this particular taco stand. It's the best tacos in all of Portland. And there's a line. Lunch and dinner goes around the block, and people come out. It's an event. It's like a cultural thing. The smells are going from the tacos, and they bring you drinks out in the line, and you talk, you know, and you're just hanging out with people. He said, you've got to experience this. And he said, that is like evangelism. You've got you to experience the joy of Jesus in order to want to talk about Jesus. And if you haven't experienced the joy of Jesus, what Tim said is get a journal and go get alone and ask Jesus to reveal his joy to you so that you will be excited to talk about him. And he said, no, really, (laughs) no, really get a journal and, and go talk to the Lord. I mean, we need a thousand reasons why Jesus brings joy into our, into our lives. And, you know, uh, yeah, Jesus, show us the joy that you bring to us in prayer and in worship and in nature and in relationships and in others and in the church. And just show us, Lord, over and over again, the joy that you bring and all of those things, the healing and the deliverance and the salvation and the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace and the, the, the beauty of your creation, how you're holding all things together in nature. Lord, just blow our minds away with the joy that you are bringing to the world in coming and in coming again. Joy, you guys, really is the aroma of heaven. Yeah, you, you know, you, it's like when joy's breaking out, heaven's pretty close. You know, it's that thin place thing. And, you know, sometimes it's people that you experience that through. Sometimes by yourself, it could be being alone with the Lord in the mornings or abiding, taking a little praise break, taking an abiding break during the day, a pause break, spending time with Him. Could be out in nature, all of those different things. But it's this, this issue, it's like a weapon for the battle that we're fighting in uh, for our souls, just against the enemy and against depression and against the anxiety and things that would get us down. And it is, uh, it is, this is a fight, a fight for joy. How's that? If that makes, you know, that, that's like a good thing to fight for, fighting for joy and having verses that uh, passages and scripture and places of revelation where we're not going to back down from that, but we're going to stand on the truth of God's Word and who He is and how He's revealed Himself in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit and in our brothers and sisters and in the church, fighting the good fight of faith. Like Paul said, I think a big part of that is fighting 
the fight for joy. Yeah. Amen. I think that's what I wanted to say. So if you would stand up, stand up in your living rooms there, just, just as a way of responding to the Lord this morning. I want to finish by reading just a couple of verses from 1 Peter. If you want to just go ahead and close your eyes, because this is a, a big, big chunk of this is what are we dreaming about? What are we thinking about? What has our imagination? What has co-opted us? And instead, we want to reorder our lives to Jesus Christ. And in this passage in 1 Peter, you know, it's the God's given us mercy and brought us into a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and, and an inheritance never going to perish, spoil, or fade. And we're going to go through trials, but it's going to prove our faith genuine. Okay, so when Jesus Christ is revealed, we're going to be fired up about that with praise and glory and honor. And here it is, verse 8 and 9. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him, Jesus Christ. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And one of the things I love about that passage is it just pulls together so many things we've been talking about in Advent. Faith, hope, and love, perseverance, keeping going, joy, salvation, the Lord coming again. He's come, but He's coming again. And we want to live lives that would be excited to see Him, that would fill, be filled with joy and, and glory and honor with the lives that we've lived when we see Him. So let's just pray. Lord, would you just... Meet us here today. Meet us in our living rooms, apartments, houses. Lord, meet us. And as we're talking about the gospel of great joy, the good news of great joy, where are you at? And can you just hear the, the, the call today, the, the summons, the exhortation? to look for the joy that Jesus brings into the world. Jesus, we're, we're looking for the joy that you bring. We, we sang it in some of the different songs today. That you're the, you're the love song of God. You're the love of God put on display for us. And we look to you. We look for the joy of heaven, that it literally is everywhere. Lord, in the midst of turmoil and brokenness and pain and sin and bad choices that have released all kinds of evil, the powers and authorities at work and so many of the systems of the world. But Lord, in the midst of all of that, you're releasing heaven. You're releasing joy. We want to look for it, Lord, in nature. We want to look for joy in people, in relationships. We want to look for joy in making things right, in justice, in righteousness, in peace. And Lord, we want to live lives that repeat the sounding joy. We want to live lives that repeat the sounding joy. We want to look for the joy that's being, that joyful sound that's being repeated in our world and magnify it. We want to magnify the work of heaven on the earth that overlap lord would you 
Give us grace to do it. Grace to look for the joy that Jesus brings. Lord, in our families, with our roommates. Lord, in the way we excitedly talk about you. We want you to know, we want people to know about the Jesus that we love, our King, our Savior. And we want to be, we want to be way more excited about you, as good as good tacos are. But Lord, that's just practical. It just helps us to understand that we want to be that excited about you more, more so, infinitely more so. And uh, so Lord, do it in Antioch, Fort Worth. Do it in our city. Do it in this region and the nation and the nations. We love you so much, Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I want you to walk in the blessing of, of not being afraid. Do not be afraid. But believe the good news that is of great joy for you, that Jesus Christ is the King and the Lord, and He is changing the world. Believe it and go in peace everyone at home and everyone here. In his mighty name, amen. Love you guys.